Friends, it is such a blessing for me to come to you again on this Sunday, bringing you the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of His grace, the powerful influence that He has on people, bringing forth the very life of the Father in us. It is an honor to minister to you today and just to give you this message of His love and His goodness. I'm excited about this message. The gospel has made me alive, has brought peace to my heart, has brought joy to my heart, has brought life to me and my family. And I'm very excited to share the gospel of good news, the grace message with you again today. For those of you that watch for the first time, thank you so much for slotting in. Those of you that watch this message for the first time, maybe on YouTube, even if it's years after it is preached, I want to say to you that the purpose of this message is to bring the gospel of God's grace to you. What that means is, is to bring the good news of God's influence on humanity, wherein God, by His doing, brings forth His life that is drained for you from before the world began, where He brings it forth practically in you by His doing. So the gospel is the good news of God bringing forth His life in you by His doing. And that is all that this message is about. And uh, that is all that this ministry is all about. It's all about His grace, the, the influence of God on humans by the human Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, bringing forth life in us. So uh, I want you know, to know that you can sit back and you can relax and you will hear the good news which will empower you. For those of you that slot in on a regular basis, thank you so much for watching this and allowing me to serve you again with the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, let us pray together as we start the service. Father, I want to thank you for your goodness and your kindness. I want to thank you for your love, your grace, the powerful influence that you have upon humans, the life that you've come to bring us. Thank you that you have come to bring us understanding in Jesus, making the good news simple, bringing the simplicity of the gospel where we've complicated it so much through our own works and efforts. Thank you for your life and Spirit of God, thank you that you speak through me. The Spirit of Christ, thank you for uh, empowered words that can impact people's lives. Amen and amen. Now, we are in a series where I'm going through Romans verse by verse, and we are in Romans chapter 8 at the moment, and last week we spoke about Romans 8.14, and let me read it to you. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And uh, today we're going to continue to speak along those lines and we're going to just repeat a little bit of what we said last week. And I want to get into what we skipped over last week, which is Paul's concept of spirit. What does it mean to uh, when, when Paul talks about the spirit of God and when he writes in Romans, when he says that those who are led by the spirit of God or when he talks about the spirit of Christ. Uh, we're going to look at that, and then if we get some time, we're going to get into the relevance of the resurrection message. You know, I've had this asked many times. Uh, people ask me this all the time. They would say, Betty, you preach on the resurrection, and we know that we will be raised one day, and that is something that God will do one day. But what is the relevance in the here and now, since we have the Holy Spirit and, and since we... We have everything that we need. We are already the righteousness of God in Christ and so forth. So what is the relevance of cognitively every day being mindful of a physical human at the right hand of God which promises our physical resurrection? Isn't that just something that we put on the sideline, on the sideline for uh, another day? And then just knowing it will happen, but we've got a life to live, live in the here and now by... Uh, the voice of God in us and so forth. Now we're going to see if we can get into answering that question. We will definitely answer it next week. Um, even if we get a little bit into it, we will look at it again next week. Okay, so uh, traditionally we have believed that Romans 8.14 
talks about how we must hear the voice of God as pertaining to sitting down, closing your eyes and trying to hear the voice of God. Now, I do believe that when we are the sons of God and when we are led by the Spirit of God, that there is something like a moment of brilliance wherein we uh, find a brilliant thought on what to do right now in a certain situation when we sat down and prayed and heard the voice of God. I've heard the voice of God like that many times in my life and it has helped me many times. Many times I went and I prayed about something and the Lord gave me immediate guidance by a feeling that came into my heart or a thought and I heard the voice of God in my inner man and the Lord guided me. Uh, so I'm absolutely for that. I do believe that Jesus also heard the voice of God when he went and asked God, uh, his father, for advice in certain things. I believe that is how Jesus lived and that there was a way wherein you hear the voice of God. But what I want to say is this, Romans 8.14 does not talk about that. Romans 8.14 is not saying those who every day cognitively go and spend have a quiet time with God and pray and so hear the voice of God so they can know what to do during the day and how to do business deals all the time or how to handle your boss or uh, raise your kids where you every day go and say Lord speak to me now and then you hear the Lord say to you do these five things and then you obey those five things and so have success I want to say to you that Romans 8.14 does not talk about that. When Paul says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, it does not talk about uh, cognitive sitting down, trying to hear the voice of God as what we've traditionally believed. Maybe you've never done it this way, but you know, I've, I've had a, a very powerful influence on my life uh, through the charismatic Pentecostal system wherein the prophet played a big role you know wherein he hears the voice of God the man of God he he tells you this he tells you that and he just kind of knows the future and from that knowledge of the future he's got better actions right now and so many of us we so wish that we could know the future I mean how many of us if we could know exactly just you just need to know 15 minutes into the future really accurately and uh, or fairly accurately and you you will be able to get a lot of money from the stock exchange and you'll be able we will be able to feed the hungry and the poor and all those kind of things uh, but it's almost as if God doesn't work with us that way it's not as if God is coming telling you all the time what's going to happen in the next two hours or in the next day all the time and we find that we don't build our lives on hearing the voice of God on what is going on in the next hour or in the next week I've spoken to uh, several of my friends and I've said to them and this is how I live every day it is I know that I am under the jurisdiction of God's life shining in the face of the man Jesus Christ I'm under that rule of life and that rule of life brings in me uh, thoughts and feelings and things which are very natural it would it is so natural that you think it is yourself and from there I live and I find that when I look back at my life that I see the life of God I see the jurisdiction of his life and I measure that by things like love peace joy contentment in my life wherein I see the fruit of the Spirit in my life. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, um, and I'm just going to push on this a little bit more. I think the Apostle Paul didn't put great relevance in how he lived every day, in all the time knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. When the prophetesses came and they told him that he's, the owner of this belt is going to be bound up this way in Jerusalem and they then, the Bible even says by the Spirit, said to him not to go. Paul still went. Now I do believe that if Paul was all the time uh, 
actively looking for a prophetic word on what to do tomorrow, he would have yielded uh, to those people saying that they, he's going to be bound up and all those kind of things. And they, by the Spirit, asked him not to go. But what did Paul do? He went. And some theologians argue that he was disobedient. He didn't hear God. And that's why he went into that great suffering, didn't really accomplish a lot there. But in the long term, we see what it has accomplished. We see how God spoke to him in the jail and how God was with him and how God helps people. We see that. And, uh, you know, there were, like you can say, you can argue and say, maybe he was hearing God, maybe he didn't hear God. But what I want to take out of this is that Paul didn't put the greatest value on, are you hearing God's voice today with the five steps on what you need to do today? That's not how he lived. He lived from the passion that was burning in his heart through the revelation of the resurrection of Jesus and the hope of humanity in that resurrection. And he knew as you believe upon that, it shapes your life today. And the shaping of his life, he just felt was, let me preach the gospel. Let me be good to people. And that will change and look different in different people's lives. In a mother, it would be, let me raise my children in the ways of the Lord, telling them this good news. Yesterday, somebody sent me a picture where their uh, child, I don't know how, how old he is, but like real child writing, and he's saying, and this is what they wrote, this, the, the child wrote, says, I had a dream that Jesus returned, and he came and lived with all of us. Now, isn't that amazing? So we find a father and a mother, maybe not preaching the gospel everywhere, uh, but they have a belief in the resurrection of Jesus. They tell their child about these things and God comes and confirms this word to their child in a dream where they dream Jesus returns to come and live with humans on the earth. Isn't that glorious? So the point I'm making is this, and then we're going to move on. Paul's main emphasis, I believe, was not to try and hear the voice of God for the day. Paul's main emphasis was to continue to have his mind on the resurrection and from there God, by the spur of life, brought forth a life in him, which was basically seen as a very natural life. Yet Paul knew it wasn't him that lived, but Christ that lived in him. Okay, now, Romans 8.14 says, that those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Last week we've said that uh, a God, if, if we say that we are a son of God, it means we are born of a certain being, which we call God, our Father. This God is the self-existing one, the one who is without beginning or end, the creator of all things, the sovereign God. And if we say that the sovereign God who has no beginning, who has no end, who is full of love and compassion and goodness and all of that is our father or we are his sons, what we are saying is that this, this, this life, this without beginning and end, this a creator, the sovereign one, will therefore bring forth who and what he is in us. When we say we are the sons of God, by, when we are led by the Spirit of God, we are actually saying that God is bringing forth God himself in us by his doing. That is what led by the Spirit is. We Let us look at the word Father. If we call God our Father or we call um, us ourselves his sons, we have to say that um, God is the father of our life as well. So many times we see God as father just from the mere standpoint of creation. God made us, therefore he is our father. Or we accepted him as our father, therefore we are now his children. And that is, that's basically what, what we think. But Paul had a deeper thing in mind. And when we look at Thyre Greek definitions, and I mean this uh, person who has translated the Bible, uh, uh, who has written a, a Greek-English dictionary, he found that the scriptures talk about something else. And what Thyre says is, he says that the word father simply means 
uh, one who infuses his own spirit into others, who actuates and governs their minds. One who infuses his spirit into others, who then actuates or brings to life and also govern their minds. So can you see, if you say God is your father, it's not you every day trying to govern your mind. So many times in how we traditionally heard the voice of God, it was a cognitive willpower um, guiding of our own minds into trying to think whatsoever is good all the time. Now, I do believe the scriptures say whatsoever is good and noble of good report, meditate on these things. There is a place where we go and meditate on whatsoever is good. And Paul having in mind the death and the resurrection of Jesus. As we meditate upon these things, we find that the spirit of God is infused into us. And we then find that he guides our cognitive thoughts even wherein our thoughts are guided by him. It's almost as if Jesus will save us one day, but we must save our own thoughts from bad thoughts and not making God the father of our thoughts, wherein he can bring forth good thoughts in us by us simply thinking and meditating on his death and resurrection, or the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, let's get back to the point here. God is our father. He's the one who infuses his own spirit into us and he actuates and governs our minds and our thoughts. If we say that we are, um, we have God as our Father, according to science definition, we have to say that God is the one that infuses, infused us with His Spirit, and that we are being animated by the very life of God in Himself, Him governing our thoughts, our emotions, and our feelings, Him bringing forth life in us. Okay, now, when we... Um, when we talk about spirit, we, I think before we get to spirit, let us just jump in our notes to page three there. I'm going to talk about being led by the spirit and just recap on that. When we are led by the spirit, that word leading of the spirit, again, I don't believe it is, Lord, where are you leading me today? Although I do believe that we can pray about something. Just yesterday, it was the day before yesterday, I prayed about something and I said, Lord, I don't know what, what decision to take here. I've got a general inclination knowing your spirit and the life and the passion inside you is bringing me to do a certain thing, but I don't know exactly what direction to go here. Thank you that I can just say that even in this area, I'm under your rulership where you will bring it forth in me. I went to bed and the next day I woke up and I just knew what to do and did it. Uh, so I do believe there is that praying. So please don't say I don't say that we cannot be led by the Spirit in a prayer and cognitively God just brings a thought to you. But led according to Paul in when he says those who are led by the Spirit talks about those who are being brought forth by the Spirit or actually born by the Spirit. And we find that use of the word led ago means the following. It is to lead by implication to bring or to drive or to induce so can you remember the word where we say where God is our Father? We are, he comes and he actuates our, our thoughts. He brings forth his thoughts in us. Um, it is one who infuses or induces his thoughts and actions into us. So when we are led by the Spirit, the Greek word for that word led, when you're led by the Spirit was to be induced or to, to be brought forth. That word is used in the New Testament many times. I'm going to read some examples of it. Matthew 10, 18. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. That word brought there is the word led. You shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. That brought doesn't have a lot to do with being led in the sense of a free will leading. It's got a lot to do with the power of the government or of the army that will take you and present you then before governors, you know, or uh, uh, kings or whatever. And then also um, Mark eleven seven, And they brought the cult to Jesus and cast their garments on him and, sat, and he sat upon him. So 
the cult was brought. Jesus says, go and take that cult and bring the cult to me. So Jesus was seated and then the disciples, the cult was then brought before. Acts 5.25 And they came and told them, saying, Behold, the man whom he put in prison are standing in the temple um, and teaching the people. And they came, that word came there and told him. They were brought and they told him these things you know and then verse 26 again and went um then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence so they took them so those who are led by the spirit the bible says those who are led by the spirit are those who are brought forth by the spirit or born of the spirit they are the sons of god now how are we born from the Spirit? What is this Spirit that Paul talks about? Now we're getting into the crux of the message today. Um, on page 2 of the notes, you will see 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18. Let's read that together. It says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of of the Lord. So we find here that Paul says in Romans 8 that we should not give ourselves to the flesh but to the Spirit. For those who are led or brought forth by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Those whose holy life is brought forth from the law, they are sons of Moses or sons of the flesh or children of the law. But those who are brought forth, whose lives are brought forth by the Spirit of God, or the Spirit of Christ, they are called the sons of God. So we cannot, should we live by the law and have a holy life, say, this birth originates from God. No. If you live a holy life by the law, the, the holy life you live, you are the father of your life, not God. But Paul says that those who are led by the Spirit, and we're going to get now into what that means, those who are brought forth by the Spirit, they can have the right to say, my life is not brought forth by myself, but by God. And for preachers, uh, I want to say it this way. When it comes to our, money, uh, our ministries and it comes to money and all those kind of things and the size of our ministries and all those, those things, there are many things we can do to get money. There are many things we can do to grow our ministries, very effective things. You can just go to, uh, to the people in the world, advertising companies and all that. They will help you very well in how to grow your church. They don't have, you don't need to know God to grow a church. You just need, there's certain things that you can do. You can know how to conduct your services. You can know how to do the music. You can look at the people group you are targeting, what they like. You can provide that there. You can give a meal afterwards and a free coffee and nice fellowship. And doesn't matter what you preach, you'll find the thing will grow. And it will be, it, it will be growing. But you then have to say that the advertising company is the father of your church. You cannot say that God is the father of that church. I'm not saying that you cannot have a nice cup of coffee and fellowship. It's not what I'm saying. Uh, should that be born from a compassion and a love inside your heart and a revelation of the good news wherein God then infuses those thoughts into you, and it is born from the revelation of the res resurrection of Jesus when you've got an expectation of co-resurrection bodily with him. If it's born from there, then you can say it's born from God. But as a church, we need to be careful that we are not so driven by big and being successful that we start to use the world's system to bring forth these things like money. If we look at money, the income, if you start to preach the, the tithing and the sowing and reaping and principles of being blessed and those kind of things, those things you are through the lust for more or the fear of not having, you are infusing fear into people 
or you are stimulating their desire for more and from there the church benefits and then you can when you look back and you've been very successful financially you can say yes we've had a lot of money yes we've even given to the poor but our giving to the poor doesn't have its root in God that has birthed generosity in people who free from obligation free from being stimulated to to have a lust for more free from uh, a desire or a fear of not having all those kind of things you will not be able to say that free from those things God gave birth no you will not be able to say that you'll have to say well my system brought this forth and although we've even given to the poor the giving to the poor was also now born of well if we give to the poor then God's going to bless us so you cannot say that anything you've done was born of God it was born of man Man, by his own willpower, can do many good things. Do you think there are many atheists that don't do good in this world? There are many of them that do good. but And they even verbally, boldly, Richard Dawkins rejects God. He's being led by his hatred for Christianity and religion and then from there this is my opinion and my judgment and then from there he's going to do very good things to other people because I do believe that humans also have some good in them and I think in his case in many atheists case they will do good also to say that Christians can't come and tell them you see we do good because of God then they can say well we also do good um and I've listened to many of these debates online, you know, and I, I think I've got a little bit of knowledge about that. But the point that I'm trying to make is that when, we, when our lives and, and preachers, our ministries cannot be born from anything else than God. If I look back at Dynamic Love Ministries and I look at what has happened in this ministry, I can say, and it's not because I am anything, but this I can say with a, a pure conscience. And I want to say as what Paul says, you are witnesses of that. You that know this ministry, that this was not born out of manipulation. It was not born out of control. It was not born out of the willpower of a man that must drive something. It was born out of God. And the beauty of it is that if God brought it to where it is, and it was born from a revelation of grace, the resurrection message, and just a love that God pours out into hearts of me and my wife's hearts, as well as other people around us' hearts. Who will maintain it? The very one that infuses and governs our thoughts and our lives by the power of his resurrection. So for preachers, this can really help you and you will know in your heart what's going on, you know, and, and, and how you drive your things. Go to God. Speak to God. You'll see how God loves you out of, out of things that, that can destroy your life. So Paul says here um, in, in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. So if we're born of the Spirit or led of the Spirit, having God our Father, how does that take place? The Lord Jesus is that spirit now what does that mean and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty what paul thinks in his mind when he says this i believe is he says that the force of life that comes forth by the fact that the man jesus has conquered physical death that is the spirit so the fact that jesus as a man is lord over sin and death the life that he has received is the spirit or the force that gives us life. But we all with open face, and now he's talking about how that birth takes place, how we are the sons of God by a spiritual birth. This is how it takes place. But we all with open face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 4, at the bottom of the notes there. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, 
and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. For God, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now what is Paul saying? Very complicated words, but this is what he's saying. He says, when we are beholding the glory of God, we are beholding the glory of God, meaning the immortal God now, we're beholding his glory in the face of a man, in the face of Jesus Christ. And as we behold and we see a human has been raised from the dead, a human shines with the glory of the self-existing one, the one who has got no beginning or end, and the fact that God could bring forth a human into that point and he is now Lord over the earth and over me as I am beholding that truth, the spirit of that truth, the power of that truth, the fact that Jesus is bodily raised then changes me. So the Lord, the Lord Jesus is that spirit. The spirit whereby I'm born of God is the fact that Jesus is physical, re physically resurrected at the right hand of God. Now let's make it very practical for everyday life. You might say, Bertie, how does that work for me in everyday life? When we see Jesus raised from the dead bodily, it's got a spiritual effect on us. It affects us spiritually. It affects the source from where we live. When we would behold, if Jesus, if Jesus died and was still in the grave, and we had to look at the law, what we would see is, we would see the law and commandments, and it would have an effect on us. It would have an effect on us. In the same way as what we would look, um, you know, the other day we spoke about... Um, uh, uh, there was a video on YouTube about somebody who abused a child until death. The child died. You know, that affects me, man. When I look at that, when I behold that, when I, when I see here is somebody that has taken cigarettes and burnt a child, beaten a child, put a child in a cupboard, until the child dies, now, it is something physical that has happened, but that physical thing that happened and the truth of it affects me. It actuates my thoughts. It's got an effect on me right now. It governs my life to a certain extent right now. Now, how much more if we can realize that the man Jesus was bodily raised from the dead and when we can and this is how the change takes place how we are born of him if we with open face behold the spirit of the lord as the fact that the glory of the immortal god is shining in the face of jesus and if we are seeing that the effect that that would have on us is changing us into the very same image can you see that? So when Paul comes in Romans and he says that those who are led by the Spirit, it means those who are brought forth by the revelation that Jesus Christ was bodily raised from the dead and they are looking at the concept of the physical man Jesus is immortal and he is Lord. Those who believe that, the effect that that has on your life, is that it brings forth the same kind of a life in you by the revelation of the bodily resurrection and the belief that I will be bodily raised in the same way. <laughs> Glory to God. This is how this thing works. This is what Paul says. And he says it so beautifully. It says that, but we all with open face as in the mirror are beholding this. And he says that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. If you read on in Corinthians, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, but we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. What is the treasure? We've got the knowledge that a man was bodily raised, 
and that that bodily resurrection includes us. And now, although we are not seeing bodily resurrection right now, we've got the treasure of the knowledge that this truth is true about us and we are formed and shaped by it every day. And then even, it says here, when we are troubled on every side, we are not distressed. Well, I'm going to leave it there and that will be a good uh, springboard for explaining the relevance of the resurrection and knowing our bodily resurrection in everyday life for next week. We will, we will preach about this next week. So let me summarize in the last three minutes. What I'm saying is this. When the Bible talks about, and when Paul writes, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, it simply means those who are brought forth by the Spirit, who is the Lord, who is the physical man, and the effect that the bodily resurrection has on your life. They are the sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit or brought forth by the power of the resurrection as we behold it, they are now owing their birth to God. As many as are brought forth by the Spirit of the Lord or the Spirit of God or the revelation of the bodily resurrection and your hope that it is true about you, wherein you don't have to live by the law, those who have got a holy life born from that revelation, they can say, God is the father of my life. And how we hear the voice of God is, we behold the resurrected Jesus, and then we see his word create a new life in us. That's how it works. Amen and amen. Well, I want to thank you guys for watching this and allowing me to serve you again today as we are just talking about the effect of the resurrection on our lives. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you so much that we can today gather around the truth of the resurrection and that we can know that you bring forth life in us and it's not our own works. Amen and amen. Well, church, I want to just uh, remind you to go to my website and just check out my itinerary. I'm going to the United States and I'm going to be ministering there. I'm also going to be in Brazil. And I'm also going to be in Uganda. For all the dates and where I'm going to be, just check out my website, dynamicministries.com. Just look for my itinerary there and you will see where I'm going to be. I would love to have you at one of these meetings, shake your hand, say hi to you and uh, minister to you face to face. Thank you so much for watching. God bless. We have been remade with forever glorified.